Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week three in a message series called Faith Matters. And we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about how faith is a matter of believing in something and, in point of fact, choosing to believe in something that you've not yet seen. Now, obviously, because we're in church, we attach faith to God and supernatural things, but you exercise faith all the time in your everyday, normal, walking around life. You, you believe, you put your faith in, in, in that, that friend of yours who's, who you, you think is going to get through this struggle. You, you, you believe that they're going to pull through. You, you believe that the Uber driver is going to show up on time to pick you up. You believe that your sports team is going to make the playoffs. You know, you believe that the investment will pay off. You believe, uh, whatever it is, like when you believe in somebody, and you, 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 that's faith. You put your faith in that person. You exercise faith when you get in your car and you drive. You exercise faith when you walked in here and sat down. And I don't just mean the act of coming to church. That, of course, does take faith. I'm talking about the physical act of lowering your delicate little southern hemisphere into a chair. When you, when you sat down, most of you didn't go. You just sat down. You believed the chair would hold you. And I don't think anyone fell, so it worked. The chairs work. But how many of you have, where, where are my big guys at, like me? You ever been to a backyard barbecue, and there's a, st- there's them, you already know where I'm going. You already know where I'm at, right? Yeah. There's those flimsy white little folding chairs. A stack of 600 of those chairs is like this big. And, 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 and you got to sit down in it, and you're like, I don't know, and you're kind of walking around, and you're like, you know, you know, like, you got to check all the legs. You get one little soft piece of dirt, down you go. You know, I'm not sure that'll hold me. That, I'm like, I don't know. So it's an act of faith just to sit down sometimes. Like, is this thing going to hold me up? And the reason faith is difficult is because faith involves risk every single time because your friend might not pull through the struggle that they're having, and the Uber driver might not show up on time to get you, and your sports team might not make the playoffs, and the investment might not pay off, so when somebody like me stands on a stage and says, put your faith in God, there's a little voice in you that goes, I don't know. I mean, I've been disappointed a lot in my life. I don't know that I can just put my faith, I mean, what if God lets me down? What if, what if he isn't what he says he is? What if, what, what if it doesn't work? I don't know if I could, like, de- I'd rather not expose myself to the risk So I'm just going to circle up and not do that and kind of ball up and stay inward bound. And the truth is, team, the truth is, if that's who you are, you're never going to become the man or woman that God wants you to be. If you've been around uh, here for, you know, any length of time, you may know that my favorite book or series of books is The Lord of the Rings. Love the movies too, love the books more. And my favorite scene in The Lord of the Rings is the scene where Frodo carries Bilbo Baggins up the side of Mount Doom. And if you don't know the story, our main character is carrying this ring, this awful, terrible, cursed thing that is weighing him down and sucking the life out of him. And Frodo realizes he can't carry the ring. And he says, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. And he carries his friend up the side of this mountain. And that has nothing to do with the sermon today. But I wanted to tell you my second favorite part of the book. And I needed to tell you my first before I got to the second part. So my second favorite part of the story is when 
Elrond confronts Aragorn. And, if, and Aragorn, if you know the book, you know the movies, Aragorn is uh, a ranger, which means he's, uh, he lives in the shadows. He's got kind of a shady existence. And he, uh, he not, 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 rangers are not uh, reputable people, but this particular character has royal blood. He's descended from kings, and it's time for him to take the throne. And the, the elven king looks at him and says, it is time to set aside the ranger and become who you were born to be. Who were you born to be? I don't know that you were born to play it safe. I don't think you were born to be a consumer. I don't think you were born and that God put you on this earth just so you could acquire and acquire and acquire and entertain and entertain and entertain and acquire and entertain yourself to death until you meet your end. I don't think that's what God meant for you. I think you were meant to play a part much, much, much bigger than that. In fact, I'm certain of it. I know it. You have a part to play in a vast, amazing story, and it's going to require a little bit of faith. It's going to require stepping out and trusting him, which is nerve-wracking because faith always involves risk. And some of you have played it safe and stayed in the boat because you're certain that God only does amazing things through people with upfront gifts, you know? Like maybe you're there and you're thinking, well, yeah, God does significant things through, uh, you know, like evangelists, pastors, and preachers, and worship leaders. Let's think about the worship team. I mean, come on, they're up here, they're, and they look so good, and they sound great, and they're just, they're God, and, and the music, the lights are on, and everyone's praising God. Yeah, God does amazing things through them. God does amazing things through ministers and public speakers. That, that's, that's where God does his significant work. Anybody here ever... Um, you guys ever use the TSA pre-line at the airport? Anybody besides me absolutely love the TSA pre-line? Me and one other person. Yeah, that's why the rest of you are all in the long line, because it's just me and this one other person that have TSA pre. So, like, I love that. I love bypassing the line. When I go to the amusement park, you better believe I'm paying for the fast pass option. I know it's a money grab. I enter this contract willingly. I will pay the money so I don't have to wait on the line. I'm letting you know now, in heaven, there is no TSA pre-line for pastors. There's no TSA pre-line for worship leaders. There's no TSA pre-line for people with a different kind of skill set. We are all of us broken people. I am a broken, messed up person just like you. When, when, when we all take our last breath, I stand right next to you as a messed up, jacked up sinner, saved by God's grace. The ground before the cross is level. Let me say that differently. The reward in heaven for, this, for a faithful pastor is the same reward as for a faithful plumber. We are the same. Everybody with me? We're broken people. And God loves, he loves to do significant things through regular, ordinary people who trust him just a little bit. He loves to do significant things in the lives of ordinary people who step out and trust him. Now, when it comes to faith... There may be a specific calling on your life. There may be a big thing that God calls you to and wants you to do. And if, if, that's, if that's happening, then listen to that and follow that. But if you don't have something specific like that you feel God is calling you to do, chances are your area for trusting him falls into one of two categories. One would be those who just haven't yet trusted them with their eternal salvation. 
And that would be you who, for, for whom I, I would wish, like if I could wave a magic wand at you, I would want you to put your faith in the idea that Jesus Christ was God's son, that he rose from the dead on the third day in payment for our sins. I want you to believe that. I want you to put your faith in that because I know that's a chair that will hold you. I know that will hold you up. That, that, that will not fail you in the end. You don't get to heaven because you were good. You're not going to get to heaven because you had good works and you racked up enough good deeds and gave up enough money away and helped enough old ladies across the street with their groceries and did enough good deeds to outweigh the bad. And so if the good, there's this, a lot of us kind of walk through life with this, this idea that there's a scale and if the good outweighs the bad, that's the answer. That's radically not what the Bible teaches. It's just not what the scriptures say. That is simply not how it works. You put your faith in Jesus, if you, if, you, if you go to heaven, it is not because of what you've done, it's because of what you've believed. You put your faith in him to forgive you of your sins. So when you confess your sins in the here and now, God lifts your guilt up off of you and places it onto the shoulders of Jesus Christ, and you go free of it. And when that happens, a transaction occurs, and, and, and salvation comes. That's your eternal soul. Your eternal soul is at stake. So that's a big one, putting your faith in him. But it's scary. It's weird. And it's kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready to step out into that. Guys, all I could say is that chair will hold you. This is not going to fail you. You have nothing to lose. Put your faith in Jesus. That's what I hope you'll do. And if, if, if you've done that already, chances are for you, the other place where God is calling us to step out in faith and trust him has to do with our finances. It's the last thing people usually let go of. It's the last place they'll trust God. And you would be stunned to learn how many people will trust God with their eternal salvation but will not trust him with their finances. Happens all the time. We're just not sure. It's, oh, it's scary. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could pull it off. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's terrifying to trust God. There's risk involved. What, what, what will happen to me if I give? What will happen to me if I, if I become a generous person, if I start to honor God this way? What will happen is God will use what you've done to do amazing things. I'm going to read a passage of scripture from the book of Hebrews, and we've read a couple times over the last few weeks from Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. I'm going to read a large chunk of Hebrews chapter 11, even long as the passage is that I'm going to read, it's still a bit, it's kind of abbreviated. If you're new to church, you're about to hear a bunch of names you've never heard and a bunch of things you've never heard of. What I'm going to do at the end, and I don't, normally I read a couple of verses and then I explain, I read a couple of verses and I explain. I'm going to read a long passage now and I'll unpack it when I get to the end. This is Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. 
It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. And women received their loved ones back again from the dead. This is the hall of faith as it goes down in scripture. This is like a, a, a long, and there's more to it. I mean, I, I abbreviate it. There's a long, long list of amazing things that, that people did uh, in, with, and through just being a part of God's plan. That God did in, with, and through them. And you could look at that and kind of go, Wow, man, that's, that's inspiring. All those people must have just like had, had this insane extra measure of faith. What a holy bunch they must be that we're here now thousands of years later talking about them and discussing what they did. And what's actually true, if you look at the text and, and, and dive into each one of these stories, it would take you a while, but look at the backstory on each one of these people. Every single one of them is just a broken, jacked up, flawed person who trusted God just a little bit, who stepped out in faith and did, did something amazing, just trusted God a little bit, and God took it and multiplied it like a thousandfold. He just honored a simple act of faith and did something vast and amazing. And I know, some of you, you just think, I, I don't have a vast, amazing part to play in this thing. But you do, because God can take what you bring in your offerings. And it's not, I'm not just talking about money. I mean, all that you have. Time, talent, and treasure, they say, right? All of who we are. When we make something available to God, he takes it and he multiplies it. And in this issue, with regard to your finances, he calls us to step out in faith and trust him and tithe. That means 10% of what comes in goes back out as an offering to God. Now, I know, like, here's the deal. I say this, I, I'm going to say something new to you that I haven't said before on this, because each time I talk about money, I'm always sensitive. We have new visitors, there's people here for the first time, and I don't want your first impression of me to be that, you know, because a lot of people have come across pastors who have an angle, and so I always say, you know, if, if you come to church here, give here. If this is your church, give here. But if you don't trust me, then go give somewhere else. I also want to say, if you don't trust me, and you, you're not too sure of my, my intentions, and you're skeptical, check your instruments. Because I think maybe actually you do trust me. And the, the reason I think maybe you do trust me is because I'm actually sincere. Because I really actually do mean this and I really actually do practice what I preach on this and I don't want something from you, I want something for you. I want for you to experience God's faithfulness. 
I want you to experience how great it feels to step out in faith and see what happens when God takes, and I, I get it, you know, you're, you're like, okay, I'm just ordinary, regular, middle-class me. What difference does my tithe make? Let me tell you something. This church does not keep its doors open on the backs of billionaires. We don't have billionaires and multi-gazillionaires writing us big checks all the time. This church exists because lots and lots and lots of ordinary people honor God and, and give small donations and tithe and honor God that way. It's what he does. He takes small offerings and multiplies them. We talked last week about the feeding of the 5,000, right? This, this amazing text where Jesus, you know, thou, he's at the height of his, his popularity and thousands of people have come to hear him speak. And it, it's getting late in the day and the disciples are all like, well, what do we do? We've got we to gotta provide for these people. This is bad. This is turning into Woodstock 99. They're going to make a documentary about us. There's not enough porta-potties. We, you know, we have to make accommodations here. What are we going to do? And Jesus goes, yeah, you're right. Uh, We've got to feed everybody. Uh, what do we got? And the disciples are like, what do you mean, what do we got? Well, what do we got? We've got to feed them. We've got some food. What, what do you got? Come on, empty your pockets. What do we got? Guys turn their pockets inside out. They got like a mint from the dentist's office, two jelly beans, and a toothpick. And they all look at Jesus and go, what were you expecting us to pull out of our pockets? Like, there's no catering trucks. There's no food trucks coming. The taco truck ain't making it. We, it's obvious we're not going to have enough to feed these people. So Jesus kind of goes, well, what else we got? And there's a little kid, right? He's got lunch. He's got his dinner. He's got a little, little snack pack put together, you know? If it was today... He'd have a bologna sandwich and some Doritos and a Go-Gurt, you know, in there. It's, that's what he had, basically. But in, in 2,000 years ago, what he had was, it says five loaves and two fish. And these loaves, these five loaves are not six-foot hero loaves. These are not French baguettes. These are like pitas, little small pita breads that he's got. And he's got two fish. And these fish are not tuna, you know. He's not walking around with full-grown swordfish. He's got little perch or, like, sunnies or something that he caught in the lake. And that's going to be his dinner. That's what he's got for himself to eat. And the kid whose name we never learn, we don't know his name. He went down in history anonymously. We don't, we don't, we don't know his name. But this kid gave it all. He just said, oh, there's a need. I'm going to give all of it. He doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't go, okay, uh, I'm, I'm down. Like, I'll contribute. But, like... I'll give, you, I'll give you one of my fish and two of my pitas, you know, two of the loaves. Okay, fine, three. You can have three, but I'm keeping one fish and two of these for me because if I trust you and I give it, what if I don't have enough for me? That would be a very logical thing for a person to say. That's not what this kid says. It's not what he does. He goes, here's all of it. He doesn't hold back. He just gives it to Jesus, and Jesus takes this little kid's lunch and multiplies it and blesses 5,000 people in an event that we are still talking about. That one simple act of faith. Here, here's everything. Here's everything I've got. Here it is. God doesn't call you to give all your money away, but he does call you to honor him with a tenth of what you earn, to send it back out as an offering to him, back into his kingdom. He's called you to that. And I know it's scary, it's terrifying to do this, because what if I, you know, what if I step out in faith and, and something happens? What if I step out of, in faith and uh, the chair fails me? What if I step out in faith and I give? Oh, let's just, come on, let's talk, let's be honest, because I'm with you in this, I get it. I'm, I live on the same Long Island you live on. I'm out here trying to pay my taxes just like you. I get it. 
And, and it's just as hard for me to tithe every time. Actually, that might not be true because I've been tithing long enough that I've just seen God's faithfulness over and over and over again. It's not really even a question for, you, for me anymore. But I remember vividly the first time I gave away 10% of what, what I earned. Seemed insane to me. Seemed like lunacy. But God has been faithful like over and over and over again through the years. And many of you could testify to the same thing. But, but the nerves come in and, and the fear comes in and you go, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I, if I, if I could pull it off. Because what if I give and then I need it? What if I give and I, I, there's a car repair? You never know when that's going to happen. What if I give and the, the refrigerator quits or, or I need dental work or something happens? So what we, and I get that. That's a real world concern. So what we'd like to do, we believe in this so much. I believe in this so much. And our church practices this and believes in it. And I'm going to tell you, like, that's, that's as real as it gets. That we... We have, you know, each summer, our, our, you know, offerings go up and down with attendance trends, and each summer we have a dip, and each summer it gets real tight financially, and we come together, our executive team comes together and goes, man, this is tough, like, we might not make payroll, we're not going to be able to pay our bills, what are we going to do, what could we cut? Well, we give, we give like tens of thousands of dollars away each month, every month, we just give money away. We make it rain for lots of people. We, we send money downstream to other ministries, individuals who need help on Long Island. Other, like, money goes out the door. And, and I, my, my, the executive standing thing that I say, and ultimately I have the, we have a board of directors, but I have the last word on this. Don't you ever stop tithing. Don't you ever cut a nickel to what goes out the door to those other people. That honors God, and that comes first, and he has never failed us. Never, ever, 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 ever. So some of you are like, oh, uh, so here's what we like to do. We believe in this so much, we want to give you a life jacket. So here's what's up. I want to challenge you to tithe for one season of your life. One season. Between now and the end of the year, that's one season. We're in second week of October, not quite, but between now and the end of the year, honor God. And if you are worse off financially then than you are now, we'll give you all your money back. We're just giving you a money back guarantee on your offerings. For real. We'll just give it back to you. The refrigerator kit's working, car repair, or even if you just decide, I need some fresh kicks for Christmas, we'll just give you all your money back. We will, we will only ask you one question, and that question will be, are you okay, and can we help you even more? That's the only question you'll ask. You have my word. All we ask is that you give in a way that it is trackable. Give in such a way that's trackable. You can't come to us on New Year's Eve and go, yo, man, I threw like 10 grand in cash in the offering bucket. I need that back. Don't do that. I have to say that because someone actually tried that once. So, just give in such a way that it's trackable, and I'm here as your pastor putting my money where my mouth is and going, not only are you going to be better off financially 
at the end of the year. You're going to love how it feels to be generous. You're going to love how it feels to step out in faith, do something counterintuitive, and honor God with this area of your life that you've been holding back in for a long time. You're going to walk in this building and go, this is my church, and I help make it happen, and God takes my little offering and multiplies it and makes thousands of people fed. That's what he does here every week So I'm calling you to join me in this. This is something I do and have been doing for years, and it's not something I have to do. It's not something because somebody's watching me. It doesn't get auto-deducted from my paycheck. It comes to me, and then I give it back to the church because I love, love, love honoring God. And I know that even though there are times and there are months when that money would come in handy, I know that God calls me to tithe, and that chair will hold me. He will be faithful as he's been over and over and over again through the years. And if you don't like the way it feels, you can go right back to spending it all on you. Anytime you feel like it. But I guarantee you, you're going to love how it feels to step out in faith and trust him. And trust him in whatever area he's calling you to. But if you don't have a specific call that you're resisting, answer this one. He's called you to trust him with your eternal soul, and he's called you to step out in faith and honor him with a tenth of what you earn. You don't give that. You don't give that. You give it back. And with that, I'm going to close in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're, we're just grateful. Grateful for the chance to learn from Scripture, to see these stories of, of these countless men and women who, over time, did amazing things. And you did amazing things in, with, and through them. Ordinary, broken, messed up people. You take small offerings, small acts of faith, and you multiply them a thousandfold. You give broken, jacked up people like us a chance to play a part in your vast, amazing story. Father, may, may we be wise enough. May we not be so foolish as to pass on that invitation. Give us guts enough, give us courage enough to step out in faith and trust you in this answer, in, in, in this, with this question, and watch as your answer proves you faithful over and over again. We pray together in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.